The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative Word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face is made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see uh, two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is uh, Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you'd like to catch that, you can do so up until... Uh, 3 p.m. today, at which time I'm assuming he's going to be live. Uh, Two hours today. He may do an hour. I don't know. Uh, I know they are in Missouri, and uh, we're doing an event there for last night and tonight. And so I haven't heard from him on how that went, except that it was finished last night. (laughs) So, um, yeah, be sure and check him out there. And if you're in the Missouri area, click on Bradley's schedule on sonsoflibertymedia.com, and you can find out exactly where he'll be. All right. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon. Click on that. Uh, join us in the chat on Rumble. Got a lot of friends over there this morning. Good morning, guys. Good to see you guys. And um, so, uh, yeah, while you're over there, please subscribe to the channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel on Rumble. And uh, you can get right, you can get there by going to Rumble and putting that in and, and looking for that as well. We're also streaming live to beforeitsnews.com. Top of the page over there, and I appreciate those guys very much giving us a spot on their platform. Right up under where we're streaming live on sunsilibritymedia.com, you can sign up for our email newsletter that goes out between or it goes out in the late afternoon, early evening. All the articles we have for the day, including the morning show archive. So you can see there's the morning show archive for um, yesterday when we had Tommy Robinson on. What a great interview! Um, appreciate the guy's passion, and uh, he, you know, he's endured a lot, uh, even his family to stand up and to, to tell the truth about what's going on in their country. So, uh, and we're going to have him back. Uh, he was, he was very, very gracious to us and, and that. And so, um, appreciated having him on, but you can check that out. Sons of Liberty media.com. And then finally, and, and I know somebody mentioned, I, you know, I wish you get all this, this other stuff out of the way. I'd rather get it out of the way at the first and then not come back to it. 
Uh, but uh, our Soldier of the Cross bundle is in the store as well, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com, or you can get to that by clicking the store icon um, on the menu on sonsoflibertymedia.com, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. You can get the Soldier of the Cross bundle. That's a shirt of your size, dog tags of your color, silver or black, and the Soldier of the Cross book for $34. If you're double X or larger, it's $39. You can also get the shirt by itself. You can also pick up the book by itself, along with the other book that Bradley has, All the Prophets, we're pointing to the front. Uh, Those books are $10 in our store, so be sure and uh, check those out. Now, everybody's asking, where's Kate today? Um, She's got some things that kind of came up on her uh, quickly, and um, so she's a little anxious about what's going on, so just keep her in your prayers. But um, she'll be back next week, Lord willing, and we're going to be talking about stress. So for those of you who tuned in for health, the health and wellness show, I got one thing for you, health and wellness, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about our, our stuff here. There is a free ultimate guide to parasite detoxing that's on Sons of Liberty. You can go there. Uh, the links are available. You can um, get it. This has all kinds of information from people like Dr. Lee Merritt, Dr. Brian Artis, uh, Dr. Ely that we had on the show, Dr. Janice Schmidt that we had on the show. By the way, I got in this week some of Dr. Jana's bee pollen. Um, You can go to her site. It's janasallnatural.com. And uh, boy, this stuff, it's it's really good. It's really good. Um, Me and my wife have been in it (laughs) every day uh, since we got it in. It was really, really good. So they're giving ideas for detoxification. I'll have I'll throw the link in here in the I'm going to eventually throw it in the comment section, but I'll throw it in the live comments right now. So if you're listening to this, this should be in the comment section by the end of the show. So you can go there if you want to pick it up. Also, while you're there, they're going to be having something that starts on Monday. Many of you will want to catch this. Uh, it's called Healing Genesis. And if you scroll down the rest of the way um, in this in this particular article where you get the free book on detoxing, this Healing Genesis series starts on uh, Monday, the 23rd. And you can sign up for that uh, to get these. It's a nine-part series. And so once they air, I think they're up for like 24 hours, 24, 48 hours, and then they take them down. So there's a, it's a special promotion uh, whereby you can learn some of these things that are going on dealing with your health, both the attack on it and the solutions. And the part I like about it is it brings solutions. So check that out, sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you go there and you just put in Ultimate Guide to Parasite Detoxing, there's a little search bar on the right side. Just put that in, Ultimate Guide to Parasite Detoxing. It should be the first thing that comes up. And uh, go in there and you can you can sign in for all that and everything else. All right. Um, also, one other thing before we get started, and I guess this might be health and wellness. I, I'm not. I'm not real sure. Uh, yesterday, you know, you guys have heard us talk about LifeWave, but yesterday I got some of the aromatherapy. I wanted to try that. So they have a, a little deal called Dream and Shine. And Shine is for when you wake up. It is alert. Uh, it's a structured water with um, that's used along with a lot of natural things. I, I, I don't have the box here, but the Shine smells like ginger. Very strongly like ginger. Uh, it's supposed to help keep you alert. You can you can actually feel the sinuses. Uh, I want to say uh, pop. That's not a good word. Kind of tingle, tickle. And then they have the dream here, 
which uh, which I used last night. Slept really, really good. Uh, and of course, you guys know I've been doing some things to to aid in my sleep because I'm understanding we need that rest. Uh, we're not God. We can't be awake all the time. <laughs> so that's a way I think he teaches us. Excuse me, I'm going to lay hands on you guys. I think that's a way he teaches us that we're not him. So anyway, those things are available. Wavelengthpatch.com, wavelengthpatch.com. If you're interested in it, they come as a set or you can buy them individually if you need something more on the sleep side or something on the alert. So there's your health and wellness for Saturday, okay? I know it's not Kate giving you the information, but uh, those are some things hopefully that are that are helpful to you. Now, earlier this week, Bradley wrote an article. He did a show on these videos that have been released um, concerning the JFK assassination. I don't know what it was. When I was a kid, there were certain things I was fascinated with. The JFK assassination was one of them. Um, there were there were several other things. I, I got to tell you, I was I was uh, fascinated when I came across things like Freemasonry and the occult. I, I I guess because they were strange things to me. Okay, um, but the JFK thing, even though I didn't understand all of the politics surrounded it. I, I just I guess as a kid I thought how did this happen to the president of the United States how did this happen right in broad daylight it wasn't done in secret somebody it was done on camera it was done in front of thousands of people how did this happen another thing I was fascinated with was Nicholas Copernicus I mean I read a lot about him when I was a kid uh, Galileo not so much but I probably should have read more Galileo than I did Copernicus. But nevertheless, these were some of the things that fascinated me as a kid. And so when I'm looking back on this and I, you know, when I'm a kid, it's like 10 or 15 years before me, because that would have been in the 70s. And um, now I'm 54. It's been 60 years since the assassination. And we're still getting information that's being leaked out to us or turned over to us or whatever the case may be. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Some of the things that, you know, I took in some was bad information as a kid. We used to have this little thing called a two XL. Any of you guys ever had a two XL? Okay. If you haven't had a two XL, I'm going to tell you what it is. How many of you guys remember cassette tapes? Yeah, the ones where you know your your tape player would eat it, and you got to get a pencil, and you got to turn the little the little wheel to fix the tape. All right, this is before then. This is an eight track tape. Tells you how old I am. <laughs> I don't know when they phased eight track tapes out. It was sometime by the time I was a teenager, I think, because CDs were already coming out at that point. So, two XL was nothing more than a glorified eight track tape player. It was made in the shape of a little robot. It had little red eyes. They would kind of blink as he's talking. And he had this little goofy voice that he talked in. I, I, I can't even reproduce the voice. But, my, you know, I would go and they had all kinds of games and stuff you could get. But I would go get the ones that were about history or about science or about, you know, all kinds of stuff that, that, were, that really happened and stuff. Of course, this, this little robot, you know, he's going to tell you jokes in between and stuff like that. But... Oh, somebody has one of those. <laughs> so the, the four buttons, you had an 8-track tape 
So on one side of the tape, they would put four tracks, and on the other side of the tape, they'd put four tracks. And so you had four buttons across the top, and when you pushed one, it played the track on one side, and then when you, you went down the line, you put it anyway it would swap up the tracks. So when they asked you a question on one track, depending on how you answered it with the buttons, it would give you an answer and you were constantly getting different answers if you put in different, you would get different responses if you put in different uh, answers. So sometimes after I'd been through it and I'd learned all the stuff I'd learned, I'd go back through and just push the wrong button to hear what he would say. And sometimes you would get you know different information. Sometimes you would get a joke told to you, whatever. But I remember JFK was one of the central themes in American history because I had one on American history. Of course, they taught us the stuff about the moon landing and all this other stuff, too. Okay, so like I said, there was bad stuff I learned and there was good stuff I learned. And JFK, again, has always been one of these fascinating kind of people to me in history. Uh, and the assassination and everything that, that went around that. I remember when the film JFK came out with Kevin Costner. I mean, I can't believe it's been so long. Uh, was one of my It was one of my favorite films at one time. In fact, it came out when I owned a video store in North Carolina. And um, so I, re I remember I got my own copy. And this is when VH tapes, if, for those of you who don't know, VH tape, VHS tapes, uh, again, showing you my age, uh, were quite expensive for video store owners. Most people don't know that. You know, you see Blu-ray, you can get it for what, 12, 15, 20 bucks at the most. Um, when you bought a VHS tape, they were like 70 or $80. And so, uh, you know, you still had the opportunity to make your money back in the midst of that, even though you spent that kind of money over 30 days because you're renting them out for two or $3 a pop. Uh, the problem was people would keep them many days then they wouldn't pay the late fee when they brought them back. Any of you guys ever done that? Yeah, that hurts the store, just to let you know. You, sh you should pay your late fees when you bring it back. Uh, but some people wouldn't do that. Anyway, um, had my own copy of that, uh, downloaded all kinds of documentaries, watched all kinds of films. Uh, some of them, I think, probably stretched a bit. Uh, we saw the one, it was Dark Something, um, that alluded to the fact that George H.W. Bush was the gunman behind everything. Then we had the one where the, the CIA guy in the car behind uh, JFK killed him. And you, you've got all these different, you know, people pushing it together. But I think we, I think the people can honestly assess that our own government was involved in it. That, it, that the assassination of JFK was an inside job. I, I don't think there's any question that it was an inside job. How all the players play in that, it, it, you know, we're speculating on that based on the evidence, but there's no doubt in my mind that this is what was going on. And we even have people who said so. I mean, they're communicating to us that our government was involved in it. Now, this is, some people say, oh, you're just conspiracy. Well, here's the thing. According to what uh, Bradley had reported and written on the subject, 81% of Americans don't believe the Warren Commission. And what they wrote. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have actually seen. There was a, um, a, a little documentary. It wasn't a document. Well, I guess it's considered a documentary. They were doing it on the JFK assassination. And they brought in a bunch of guys to see if they could replicate the magic bullet theory. Remember that one? It went through Kennedy and hit him several times. And then it went into Connolly, Governor Connolly, And it hit him several times. And then it ended up in his knee or something. This, this one bullet. 
And so I remember watching this, and they were actually able to almost pull it off the way the guy says. I, now, if they're doing it with trick, with camera, or whatever, I don't know. But they were almost able to pull it off. It just did not have the power to finish the route. But it was doing the same thing, and they used these you know, gelatin things. The problem is those the, the ballistic gels that they use, they don't have bone. They're just ballistic gel. So you've got a, another factor that they aren't even putting in there that probably could have slowed it. But it was going the way they shot it, and they got the angle and all this other stuff. It actually went through both men or both of these gels, very similar to how they talk about the magic bullet, but just didn't have the force and didn't matter how many times they shot it, didn't have enough force to get to the final place where it was supposed to have rested. So it, that was very interesting to me. Uh, to see all these things. But when you hear the people who speak about what went on, this is where you start going, okay, this is a little, this is dangerous. It's not weird. It's dangerous. And um, I, I believe the, these ladies are tied to LBJ, LBJ. And we know LBJ said that, you know, he wasn't going to be embarrassed by Kennedy anymore. Uh, Kennedy didn't want the war in Vietnam. Good for him. That was a good thing. Um, he, he didn't want that. And one of the first things that happened once he was killed was LBJ goes in there and basically signs off on the war. And listen, war, it, like Smedley Butler wrote, it is a racket. It is a money-making scheme. That's what it is. And it doesn't care that your boys and girls go and die for it. It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to these people. They're about money and they're about power. Both of them, the, lo the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil, and power comes right on its heels. Power comes right on its heels. So they did this. They brought about this Vietnam War. Tens of thousands of our young men were killed in this war. And, and by the way, it wasn't about our freedom. I know everybody keeps talking like that. And if I got some military guys, I, I'm not saying anything to, to slap you in the face or to, to be rude to you or unkind to you. But I'm going to tell you, all these wars we've been involved in with for decades have not really been about our freedom. They've been about growing fascist corporate America. That's what they've been about. And advancing a one world government. I think that's what all of that is tied to. You're, you're not fighting for freedom. If you're fighting for freedom, you're fighting here on this soil against foreign enemies, like some of them in D.C., the District of Criminals. That would be fighting for freedom. But I don't see any of our military guys standing up and saying, wait a minute, <laughs> why are we going over here and fighting, you know, Hamas? in the Middle East, who are not a threat to us here. Now, they, I'm not saying they can't get some people over here and stuff like that and be that. I'm not saying that. But they're not a direct threat on us. But the guys in D.C., they're a direct threat on us. A direct threat. And you guys took the, you guys took the oath of office. I didn't take it. You took it. And so you're responsible for knowing why you're going to war and what you're fighting for. You are a free man. You're not, you're not supposed to be slaves 
just going and fighting because the king or the president or whoever says go fight. You're supposed to be free men. And as free men, you're supposed to know who you're fighting, why you're fighting, whether it's legit or not, and either stand against it and say, no, I'm not going to go. There was a gentleman, I was telling Bradley this the other, other day, there was a man, I think it was back in 2014 or so, uh, he had a pretty decent rank in the military, and he basically said, I do not believe Barack Hussein Obama Satora Sabarka is a natural-born citizen, which means he is illegally occupying the White House, which is exactly right. It's exactly true. And he says, I know that the document he put on the White House website that stayed up there for years is a fraud. Anybody can see it's a fraud. It's not hard. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to pull it apart and see that somebody made that. And he said, if he will bring forth real credentials to show that he's a natural-born citizen, I'll obey his order. To, I think he was being deployed to Afghanistan or Iraq. I, I don't remember which one it was. Well, Obama is not going to oblige that, and they throw him in Leavenworth. And this guy was actually taking a, a constitutional stand, and I applauded that guy for doing it. I thought it was great that he took that stand. But here's a couple of the people. I want to play some of these videos um, of some of the people who, in their eyewitness account, of the JFK assassination. Again, this is kind of nostalgic in the fact that you're hearing from these people. And many of us, many of you who are listening, you weren't even born at the time JFK. You were like I was. You were born some years after. Some of you listening, you were you were in that time. You can tell me exactly where you were, what you were doing, and the whole nine yards. But I want you to listen here. I believe this is JFK, uh, J, uh, LBJ's mistress. And uh, I want you to hear what she has to say. Um, I had everything muted here <laughs> because when you start uh, the stream, then uh, if you turn, if you bring Rumble up, it starts playing and then you get noise in there. So uh, here, here she is. Listen to this. She walks across a plaza in Dallas that holds one of the darkest secrets in our history and brings to light an ugly nightmare. Lyndon Johnson told me because he was angry that after that day, that the Kennedys would never embarrass him again. That was no threat, that was a promise. At 63, Texas-born Madeline Brown says the unthinkable, that Vice President Lyndon Johnson knew of the doom awaiting President Kennedy even before an assassin's bullet found its mark. What did Lyndon Johnson tell you about the Kennedys? What were his thoughts? Oh, he hated them with a passion. They were stumbling blocks to him. It, uh, he had always seeked the presidency of the United States, and uh, John Kennedy definitely had become a stumbling block to him. Madeline Brown is a woman acknowledged in many circles as a long-term mistress of the late President Johnson's and mother of his illegitimate son, Stephen. I was his mistress, but actually I was his other family. We were just the hidden family that Steve and I never did share publicly with him. Madeline Brown's scandal was one of the worst kept secrets in Texas. But this, a stunning inference that Lyndon Johnson was actually involved in the assassination. Did Johnson have reason to believe that John F. Kennedy was going to be assassinated? Yes, yes he did. That's a chilling charge to make. Yes it is, it sure is. But American people need to know what actually happened during those years. What did Johnson tell you about the people he believed were responsible for the assassination? Did he know who they were? 
Yes, he knew who they were, and he also said that I knew who they were. They were the oil people, and the CIA had caused the assassination. Well, why didn't Lyndon Johnson warn John F. Kennedy? He could have saved his life. Again, it was his way to the presidency of the United States, too. You're telling me now Johnson could have prevented this assassination? Yes, he could have. Today, Madeline Brown lives alone with sad memories. Her son, Stephen, suffering from cancer, passed away when he was only 19. But still, her face brightens at the mention of Johnson's name, no matter what her allegations. Well, he was always very warm and cordial to all the ladies. He was definitely a ladies' man. But he had such strength about him, and he was totally fascinating. When these secret government files are finally opened, what do you think we're going to find? When they open the records in 2029, when they open them, there's not anything going to be there. There will be no evidence. Why do you think that after all these years, he would leave evidence there? Yeah, that's a good question. <clears throat> How many of you, when the words national security are uttered, how many of you think CYA? Not CIA, the other one. How many of you think that when somebody says national security? That's exactly what I think. I think exactly that. Why? Because what is there to fear? What, what, what kind of national security is a problem when you've got a president who's just been murdered in the street in front of everybody? The only reason to cry something like that and to hide things is, be, is because, and the people who are hiding it are the people involved. Mm -hmm. The people who are hiding the information, the evidence, the investigation, and all of that, or, or are part of the investigation, are the people who have something that they want to hide. I, I think the same thing was true in 9-11. You have the biggest terror attack on U.S. soil. And you don't go gather the evidence and start putting it together in a warehouse like you do when a, when a plane shot down or something like that. Remember how they used to do that with the planes? What was the one um, off, the, uh, off the coast up north? I forget the flight. And they took it and put it back together in a big old hangar, and it's got a big hole in the side of it. It's clear what had happened. There was, a, there was an explosion there. And some people believe our own Navy shot it down. They hit it with a missile. Well, the same thing was true on 9-11. You've got all kinds of eyewitness testimony, people talking about bombs going off in the basement of the World Trade Center. You've got, you know, this, this molten steel that's down in the basement. You've got thermite that's obviously everywhere down on the bottom floors. You can see it. There's been pictures of it, video of it. And yet, they come along and they squelch it and say, there's no conspiracy here. It's, it's, it's the Muslims doing it. And the Muslims doing it, and now we've got to go fight these wars. And then come to find out, <laughs> we're, we're, we're completely off base in what we're doing. Completely off base. But that it's planned. Here's another one of the uh, the eyewitnesses here, and let's uh, talk about the next day. I want you I want you to take um, take a listen to what this lady has to say as well. In 
Dallas. Uh, where were you at the time of the assassination? assassination? I was, uh, I packed my car to go to Austin for the big fundraiser. And uh, they were having a meeting of the Democrats down the old red courthouse. And they were fussing, they were, some of them were highly uh, disenchanted about uh, John Kennedy coming to Texas. So here they were wrangling, which was very common. So me, I was lighthearted, and I said, hey, guys, I'm going on to Austin. I'll see you guys in Austin tonight, and I blew him a kiss. I walked out of the red courthouse, and we didn't have all the parking problems. I get in my automobile. You could hear the parade, the noise from the parade. I drove across the Houston Street Viaduct in order to hit the, the highway to go to Austin. And impulsively, I said, I won't have time to have my hair fixed in Austin, so I'll go by, uh, let's see, was it Fair uh, or the beauty salon and get my hair freshened so I could go on to Austin. And again, it's about maybe 10 minutes or less trip from the Red Courthouse. And as I walked in the door, they were already on the television that he had been shot. So uh, I asked if I could use the phone. I called. I knew if anything, anyone knew anything, it would be just Kellum in Austin because they carried all three networks. So I called Jess and I said, what is going on? First, I called Lou Sterrett at downtown. And I said, my God, what has happened, Lou? And here are people that should have been out at the trademark for the lunch, but they were still downtown. And he said, well, they just shot that SOB. And uh, maybe Lyndon. Well, when when Lou told me it was Lyndon, of course it was very upsetting. And I didn't live all that far from the uh, where I had my hair fixed. Jess from my house. I said, Jess, what is going on? And uh, he told me at that time. He even said that he was sure he had passed away. Or was you, you thought he was talking about Johnson? Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, but I had already verified that it was not Lyndon; okay. it was John Conlon and uh, Kennedy. Uh, let's go back to the night before when when Johnson came out of the meeting. Uh, what did he say to you? He was so angry. He had a violent temper when he was. Upset. Well, let's use the, the exact words that he said to you. What did he say he, to you? He, uh, he grabbed me by the arm and he had this deep voice and he said, after tomorrow those SOBs will never embarrass me again. That's no threat. That's a promise. And it, it startled me really, you know, because he was so ready faced. I thought, oh well, he really uh, something went on that shouldn't have gone on, you know. But uh, he called me from the Texas hotel the next morning as I was going downtown right. and hear this screaming voice of his. Uh, he was so irate, and uh, he didn't give me he didn't give me time to talk to him. You know, he just uh, he was still angry. And when I talked to just Kellum right after that, I said, "Wow, he's on a real." violent binge, you know. And then I passed it off. I said, well, after tonight at the Driscoll, he'll be all right. Yeah. And, of course, 
I didn't see him again. Until. What were the words he said to you over the phone? That, uh, that they would never embarrass him again. The, the SOB, the Irish Mafia, I think. He referred to him as the Irish Mafia very often. But he said they would he, never embarrass him again? I'd never embarrass him again. There was no threat. That was a promise. And there were violent feelings that have never been told that was between those two people. There was a picture in the Associated Press that showed uh, Ralph Yarbrough, John Conley, uh, Lyndon Johnson standing behind Kennedy. At, at the Texas and, Hotel. Right, and yeah, uh, if you look at the, at the look on Johnson's face, what, what's your oh, impression? His, his face is snarling, yeah. and John Conley is so worried or concerned. And after Air Force One got to Lovefield, you see John Conley coming down. Air One was full of glee. And John Conley has this faraway look. Okay. Okay. All right. So you get the you get the idea. These are these are some of the people who were there. These are some of the people telling you some of the things behind the scenes. Now, <clears throat> in this in this series of of videos, and there's a bunch of them. Uh, I uploaded them. To my personal Rumble channel, you can find it at Setting Brush Fires. I upload them over there. We're gonna have the art. We're gonna have Bradley's article in the archive today, and that's kind of where I'm pulling from uh, the videos because I uploaded them so that we would have them, and hopefully somebody doesn't pull them down. I'm not intending to pull them down. So there are several of these people who gave testimony as to what they saw. Now. What we're led to believe is, and what we're told is, that eyewitnesses don't see what they see. If any of you watched the JFK movie, one of the things that you got was when they started going to the people who were the eyewitnesses, who uh, had spoken with the FBI or had spoken to you know police or any of this other, they're confronted with, okay, this is your testimony, and, you know, you'd have several people. There's one lady that says, well, that's that's my signature, but that's not what I said to those people. And then so you, you've got them playing the part of where they're saying, no, you didn't see this. This is not what you saw. You saw something else. So they're they're in the midst of doing mind control on these people, the old Jedi mind trick. That's what they're doing to try to pressure these people into saying something or giving a testimony about what they allegedly saw that they really didn't see. So there were a couple of these people. I wanted to bring these out and and play some of these because for some people, they've never seen any of this. They've never heard it. I mean, I know it's hard to understand. It's kind of like if somebody tells you in America they've never had a Bible. Nobody's ever given them the gospel. It's like, it's unthinkable. And yet there are people like that here in the States as well. So I, I wanted to play some of these. And one of the interesting things is, is you're hearing about LBJ here. Proverbs 17, verse 15 tells us, He that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. This is exactly what LBJ was guilty of doing. And not just him. I mean, we've pretty much had it with every president since then. We've, we've got, and for people who don't think 
that there are legitimate real conspiracies that take place, I mean, you you really have to um, go in and you have to, to look at Scripture. Uh, I wish that uh, Dr. Uh, Gary North was still with us. I used to work for Dr. North. He wrote a book. Uh, you can pick it up at Gary North Books, or not Gary North Books, GaryNorth.com forward slash free. I think it's called Free Books. I think that's what's there. And it's a book on conspiracies. I think it's less than 100 pages. It's a digital download that you can get. Um, he's no longer with us. We lost him the other year. And um, But Dr. North was the, econ- the original economist for Ron Paul when he was uh, in Congress in the 70s. And he wrote about the conspiracies that take place within the Scripture. I mean, one of the most prominent ones is found in the book of Jeremiah. And there in chapter 11, this is what we read. Then the Lord said unto me, Proclaim all these words to the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and do them. For I earnestly protested upon uh, unto your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the lands of Egypt, even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do. That's Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, all those kinds of things. But they did not do, they did them not. And the Lord said unto me, a conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And what's that conspiracy? Listen, listen to this and apply it to what we see with conspiracies today. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers which refused to hear my words, and they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their forefathers. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So what is the conspiracy that's going on here? It is to lead the people away from God. And I want to ask you something. With the JFK assassination, with 9-11, with all the other things that, that have gone on, and we know they're conspiracies. We know it. And oftentimes, they're proven. We actually get the proof and we see it. Nobody brings justice, but we see it. And what does all of it do? It is to lead us away from God. It is to rob us of our liberties that God gave us, the freedom that God gave us, It is to deceive us. It is to entrap us. It is to enslave us. That is what it is. And and by the way, that that is the direct opposite of what Jesus promised. Jesus says that he came to free us. Did he not? Jesus said he came to bring the truth because he is the truth. And yet these people, these conspirators, whatever they're involved in, they are to lead people away from the truth and the true and living God. That's what, the, that's what any conspiracy really is about. Doesn't, they can have a specific target. I get that. But ultimately, there's a power behind them moving them in that direction. And that's where, that's, that's where these conspiracies end up going. So with that said, I'm going to play a couple of guys here who are, who are eyewitnesses, and I want you to hear what they have to say. Check this out. Arnold Rowland was here with his wife on Houston Street in the crowd waiting for the motorcade. A few minutes before it arrived, Roland told the Warren Commission, he noticed an elderly Negro man up in the window where you are now, 
where Oswald is supposed to have fired from. But he told the commission, and a few days ago repeated his story for us here, of seeing a gunman lurking in another window entirely. I just looking around and we noticed a man up in the window and I remarked to my wife, tried to point him out and remarked that he must be a security guard, secret service agent. Well, the window then that you're referring to is on the opposite uh, end of the building from uh, where the main entrance to the building is. Yes, it is on the other side of the building. And he had a rifle. It looked like a high-fired rifle because it had a scope which looked in relation to the size of the rifle to be a big scope. Okay, so and, and obviously it's uh, it's an interesting thing about uh, a guy being a sniper and he's just going to expose himself out there like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I find it interesting. Um, my own personal opinion is I think they had several, they did have several shooters. Um, but if you listen to these men and <clears throat> you hear their testimony, you start to get that you start to get a much darker picture than anything the media at the time, Walter Cronkite and his, his gang ever put out. You start to get this darker sense that something else is going on. This is a, a man by the name of Orville Nix. I don't want you to hear what he has Mr. to say. Mr. Nix, where were you on November 22nd, 1963? I was standing on the corner of uh, Maine and Houston. And did you take any pictures of the presidential limousine as it went through Dealey Plaza? Yes, I've taken pictures before and after, before the assassination and during the assassination. And you know, of course, that your pictures were eventually used by the government to determine where the limousine was when some of the shots were fired. Yes. And did you deliver a copy of your film to the federal government? Yes, I delivered a copy of my film to the federal government about December the 1st. About a week, a little over a week after the assassination. Yes, my film got lost in the processing plant. Where is the original film? The original film uh, belonged to United Press International. Uh, the government has a duplicate copy. And where is that duplicate copy? In the archives. And is that the duplicate copy which was used by the Warren Commission for the purpose of determining, along with other films, uh, the much more film and the Zapruder film, where the presidential limousine was when some of the shots were fired? I would say so. Well, you now have a, a copy of your film, which you were kind enough to show to us this afternoon. Is that copy the same as the original which you gave to the FBI on December 1st? Uh, I would say no. There is some films maybe missing, some uh, frames. Uh, some of the frames were ruined. Does the film which you have at the present time have the same number of frames as the film which you delivered to the FBI on December 1st? Uh, I would say no, but it's cause of losing maybe a, a, a frame here and there. At the time the shots were fired, did you look at the book depository building? No. Uh, did you think at that time that the shots came from the book depository building? 
No, I thought it came from a fence uh, between the book depository and the railroad track. Or does anyone else who you know or who you've spoken with also believe that the shots came from there? Most everyone thought it came from the fence behind the book depository. Did you have occasion to speak with Forrest Sorrells, who was, of course, a friend of yours, and the Secret Service agent in charge of Dallas that day? Yes, I did. Did he tell you where he thought the shots came from? He, he thought they were came, coming from the same place. Which is? Behind the fence. See that? At the present time, where do you believe the shots came from? Well, they came from the book depository because there's proof that it did come from there. I see. This you've read in newspapers and you've read the report. Yes. Aha. Aha. Because there's proof there. I read it in the newspaper. <laughs> I read it in the newspaper. There's proof that it came from there. Because I read it in the newspaper. I saw it on TV. That was the equivalent of, I read it on the internet, right? And look, the internet has all kinds of truth all over it. And it's also covered in a bunch of lies, too, right? I mean, th th look, I've even been taken in by some. You guys have seen that, that little clip we had of the guy from Pfizer that I played. I had no idea it had been edited. I mean, it didn't, to me, it didn't show any glitches, anything. And they just left out, like, one or two words that the guy says. And just jumped it to the next thing. And people purposely do that. Now, why they want to do that, I don't know. Discredit people, something, maybe, I don't know. I never put out anything knowingly uh, that is not the truth. And if I find out that there's that it's not the truth, I come on and I, I'm bothered by it. I want to make it right. I want to put that out and be truthful. There's a couple of the guys I want to play here, and then guys, I'm going to give you the the link, and you guys will be able to see this in the archives. You guys listening on the radio, you'll be able to go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Uh, later today, we'll have the archive up. It'll be called Through the Looking Glass, the Eyewitnesses of JFK Assassination that Counter the Warren Commission. Just look for that. It'll be up today. And you can see all these videos and more. I'm just playing a couple of them out of this. We've got testimony about the the officer that was shot, J.D. Tippetts, that he was shot. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, guys who talk about that as eyewitnesses. And then we've got some more of these as well. And so let me play a couple more of these. And then I want to I make a reference back to the book of Proverbs because I think <clears throat> in the end, whenever you set out... Whenever a person sets out to murder someone, you know, I'm not talking about a crime of passion that happens because something just happened and it just, you know, it tripped you off. We, we often use that with, with maybe somebody who catches their spouse with someone else. I'm talking about somebody who premeditates this, who orchestrates it, who puts the people in place. And they do it with such a coldness and a, you know, a calculatedness these are the people worthy of death. These are the people who have started murder in their heart, just the way Jesus said, and then it's come out in fruition into real murder. They've taken somebody's life. In fact, they took a couple of people's life in the process of this. 
Uh, here's another gentleman telling uh, his eyewitness account as well. Mr. Brim, where were you on November 22nd, 1963? I had taken my five-year-old son downtown to see the presidential parade. This is a picture taken by Mr. Nix of the limousine at the time the shots were fired. Do you see yourself and your boy in that picture? Yes, sir. This is myself and this is my son on this frame here where the first shot hit the president. I would say that the he was possibly 30 feet away when the first bullet struck, moved a little closer and was possibly 20 to 25 feet away when the second bullet hit. Did you see the effect of the bullets upon the president? Uh, when the second bullet hit, uh, there was the hair seemed to go flying. Uh, it was very definite then that he was struck in the head with the second bullet. And uh, yes, sir, I, I very definitely saw effects of the second bullet. Did you see any particles of the president's skull fly when the bullet struck him in the head? I saw a piece fly over, oh, in the area of the curb where I was standing. And in which direction did that fly? It seemed to have, have come left and back. In other words, the skull particle flew to the left and to the rear of the presidential limousine. Uh, sir, whatever it was that I saw did fall both in that direction and over into the curb there. You were a ranger during the war, correct? Yes, sir, I was a ranger during the war. Took part in the invasion of France and was shot a couple of times. So, uh, as I say, it's possibly like swimming. Uh, I hadn't heard that sound for many a year, but you don't forget it once, uh, once you've heard a shot rounding, coming close to you. Did you speak with newsmen on November 22nd and tell them what you saw? Yes, sir. And told them simply that there two shots had hit the president and the direction that I had thought the bullets had come from. Did you at any time that day make a statement which was televised? Yes, sir. Fortunately, I was probably 15 to 20 feet away from the president when it happened. Tell us exactly what you saw, sir. <coughs> he was coming down the street and my five-year-old boy and myself were by ourselves on the grass there on Palmer Street and I asked Joe to wave to him and Joe waved and I waved in the man. It's all right, sir. You were Because he, he was waving back. He was, he was, the shot rang out and he slumped down in the seat and his wife reached up toward him and he, he, he was slumping down and the second shot went off and it just knocked him down. From the seat, I'm positive it hit him. I hope it didn't, but I'm positive that it hit him, and it's and he went all the way down in the car. Then they speeded up, and I didn't know what was going on, so I just grabbed the boy and fell on him, and hopes that there wasn't a maniac around. I'm sorry. I can't help you more, but I, I won't forget it. Did you make a statement to the Dallas Sheriff's Office? Yes, I did. How long did you remain in the Dallas Sheriff's Office that day? I was, say, about three hours to four hours. Were you among the closest witnesses to the limousine when the shot struck the president? 
Yes, sir, I would have to say that uh, uh, if not the closest, one of the closest to the unfortunate incident, uh, I did get a view of something I'll never forget. Were you called as a witness by the Warren Commission? No, I was not called by the Warren Commission to testify. Now, stop and think about that. He wasn't called by the guys who were investigating. He has one of the closest views, 20 feet, to the assassination, but he's not called. He's a military guy. He isn't called. <laughs> How, I, this seems like a prime eyewitness, wouldn't you think? I would think so, too. This is, uh, this is the last one I'm going to get in, and then we're going to close out. Uh, in fact, I don't know. I think this one runs. We yeah. are on the base. Okay. This has, yeah, this is going to run a little longer. So, guys, let me just show you. There is, uh, there's a number of videos. This is the one I was going to show. There's a number of videos of eyewitnesses um, on what was going on. And then we've got a couple of videos here of, uh, of those who are eyewitnesses to the murder of J.D. Tippetts. And so um, one of the things that I wanted to go to was over here to Scripture to to remind us, you know, I did this with my boys when they were little, because I know how other little boys can sometimes entice your kids and uh, get them to do things that they shouldn't be doing for some little bit of gain. Maybe it's some candy, maybe it's, you know, some kind of trinket that they've coveted or whatever the case is. But this is exactly, this would have been wise advice to give to everybody involved in the JFK assassination. This comes from Proverbs chapter 1. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. I'm telling you, this is what the military-industrial complex, and now we're seeing the medical-industrial complex, have done to the people. They have conspired together against the people for the sake of gain. For the sake of gain. That's what they've done. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. But surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. Listen, don't think that LBJ didn't get away with it. He didn't. He didn't get away with it. He's given an account. It's not an account he wants to give, but he's given an account. And he's got the reward for his deeds. And the only one, listen, the only one that can deliver you, if you've been involved in things like this, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he commands that you repent. If you've been involved in anything like this, maybe it's not on this scale. Maybe you just had murder in your heart, Jesus says. You're going to answer for it. You need to repent. You need to give glory to God. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Bradley, be with you at 3. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday, 6 a.m., Lord willing. Adios.